0: Hey everyone, this is Brian Pelletier, and welcome to Extraordinary, the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Extraordinary, the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. Today's guest is Sam Lynn. He is the COO of Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. He's also the administrator for System Emergency Services. He's previously the CEO for. Baptist Memorial Hospital at Tripton and Baptist Cancer Center. Uh, He serves on the board of Tennessee Center for Health Workforce Development, as well as the Small and Rural Executive Council of the Tennessee Hospital Association. And without further ado, please join me in welcoming Sam Lind.
1: Thank you, Brian. Happy to be here with you.
0: So one of the places I typically start off with was trying to Get some history of how you got into healthcare and, and what uh, brought you into healthcare.
1: It's a great question. I think that uh, everybody in healthcare has an interesting story about how they got here. Uh, my story starts with growing up in the southeastern United States. When my dad told me to go get a job as a junior in high school, and my first job was as a um, working as part of a demolition team for a construction company here in Memphis. Uh, And after two months of working in the southern summer heat, I thought, I need to go find something else to do. So I stumbled my way into a job as a pharmacy technician as I began my senior year of high school and really just fell in love with uh, trying to help people, but also how complex and challenging just working even in a small segment of the industry was. And so have really just pursued learning as much as I could from there before I eventually found my pathway into Administration and have had um, incredible opportunities to learn from people and make an impact. So that's how I got here.
0: Well, I'm excited to hear that you had your start as a pharmacy intern. Being a pharmacist, very exciting to hear that. Thank you for sharing and uh, kind of transition a little bit to where you are now. Could you give me a little bit of history or a little bit of info on what Baptist Memorial Hospital is and, and maybe some like the size area, et cetera?
1: Absolutely. Baptist Memorial Healthcare has been around for over 100 years, started here in Memphis, uh, and was founded um, through joint efforts between the Southern Baptist Conventions of Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And so over the last century, uh, we've really developed in, from the largest private hospital in the world into uh, one of the largest. Uh, Nonprofit private health systems. And so now have 22 hospitals across about a 350 mile radius surrounding Memphis. And, um, you know, focus on serving patients in metro areas like Memphis or Jackson, Mississippi, uh, but also some of the smallest facilities you'd find uh, in Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And
0: when we spoke, Several weeks ago, you gave me some information about BMS or the Baptist Memorial uh, the ma- the Management System. And uh, can you talk a little bit about what that system is?
1: Sure. So I think that between the efforts of our um, chief operating officer of Baptist Memorial Healthcare and some of the work and talent he's brought on, like Skip Stewart, who's the director around uh, or the vice president now around performance improvement, we have developed... Um, and adopted a way to improve uh, the way we operate on a daily basis and the way we optimize processes and even optimize behaviors through the development of a management system. So you'll now hear that called the Baptist Management System. and That in, encapsulates a lot of things, but essentially um, it, it's about improving the work we do, um, optimizing the work we do, um, all the way, to the front lines where where we are empowering our staff to make those changes to create the best experience and outcomes for our patients. And so all of those aspects of our management system support that final goal.
0: And is part of that management system, it incorporates lean or sort of the, the lean management system as well?
1: We don't particularly dive into lean per se. But there's certainly a lot of crossovers between the work that we're doing and what you would find in um, hospitals that are focused on lean concepts. Um, and so, you know, we utilize a lot of TWI or training within industry that focus on different things. Uh, you'll, you'll hear words like job relations, job instruction, job methods. And those different tools are utilized to help us design processes, train on those processes. And even in the case of job relations, how we talk to and uh, interact with each other as uh, stakeholders within our company. We use those things on top of other buzzwords that you often hear like Kaizen events or um, Toyota Kata, for example, uh, to really support and develop, um, again, processes and behaviors that allow us to eliminate waste like you would in a lean methodology, and find our way towards, again, optimized processes.
0: So the the TWI, the training within industry, you talked about job relation, job methods, and how is that different than setting up a job description?
1: So it's a little bit different in that, um, for one, a job description really kind of gives you a broad overview. And as everybody knows, the last line on any job description and healthcare is always other duties as a (laughs) sign, right? (laughs) Yeah. And we all live in that world every day. Uh, But what TWI does is it creates a standardized way um, to carry out different tasks. And so we're building muscle. We're building repetition. uh, We're building expectations in a way that we're able to get very detail oriented because we know that in our business where, we're not creating widgets as as you often hear people say in healthcare we're not creating widgets every person is unique you have to develop repetition and muscle memory for the base foundation activities that need to occur so that you can preserve your critical thinking capacity for caring for the person that's staring right back at you and so having these tools like job instruction for instance has a very uh, prescriptive way we go about training on anything from placing an IV to drawing blood. So anytime we want to change a process, tweak a process, or train on a new process, there's a multi-step method that we use that our staff are very accustomed to. It's very comfortable. We ensure we provide them with all the information they need, not just on the how, but also the why of each step. And so we're able to do that in a very effective, consistent way uh, that allows for um, them to become more than proficient, become experts in these things, um, and then also allow them to to maintain critical thinking capacity uh, to focus on other unique aspects that might come up in their daily work.
0: And you had also mentioned a little earlier about kata boards or kata of the kata. And can you talk a little bit more about what that is too?
1: Sure. So Kata um, is is probably my favorite part of our management system. And and Kata to me, what it really is, is a daily exercise of the scientific method. And I think there's a few reasons this works really well. Toyota made it famous. Uh, There's a great book, Toyota Kata, that's a a great introduction to how all this works. And it's interesting, our team's You find them using it not only in their offices, uh, but at home with their kids to help their kids become more consistent at cleaning their rooms, for instance. But kata is really a scientific approach to problem solving. And so you walk through steps every day um, to understand where you are, right, where you're trying to go, what's the last step you took, what happened and what did we learn from that, what's the next step we're going to take. What do we expect from it? And when can we come back to check and see how we did? So essentially, you're just applying a consistent thinking pattern, a consistent exercise of that thinking pattern. It may be a daily basis. It may be three times a week. It may be once a week, depending on whatever project you're working on. And really taking small steps where failure is perfectly fine and accepted and expected in most cases to try to get to more optimized ways of doing things and achieving whatever the goal may be. Now, when you deploy Kata boards um, as the visual tool to support Kata practice throughout the organization, you're also going to find yourself uh, with a lot of work going on in a lot of different areas. And so you heard me mention Kata the Kata as a way for those of us in the C-suite and senior leaders to really ensure that we're not just deploying leaders saying Here, here's your task, here's your goal. By the way, think about using Kata, good luck. Uh, we draw that back in an organized fashion and weekly review each Kata. And we talk about not have they achieved their goal and uh, what's their obstacles that they're running into to achieving their goal. We're talking about, talking about developing people and developing the teams and leaders that are working on the different Kata projects and we talk about what do they need? Are they, are they missing um, certain training that might help them uh, implement a new way to move forward? Um, are they, do they have the right people involved? Do they have the right coaches involved? How do we make sure that we're developing our teams to be able to be capable of successfully continuing on the momentum that they build with a Kata project? And so that's what Kata the Kata is really about. Uh, and we do that, on, like I said, on a weekly basis uh, to make sure that we're, you know, as much as they're focused on their projects, we want to make sure that we're focused on supporting them too.
0: So it sounds like there's a big shift in how you're approaching the scientific method. And so what have you found as some of the the challenges that you had to overcome as you're implementing something like KADA?
1: I think the biggest challenge, I'll say two. Let me Let me give you two examples. So one would be Healthcare people are pretty much trained to be problem solvers, right? Someone comes to you with a problem, you want to fix it as quick as you can and get them out the door back to where they're comfortable and safe better than when you found them. And so by nature, we want to solve things really quickly. We expect results very, very fast. So the biggest problem we have is people that get into a kata process And they're either afraid to fail, or they're expecting to fix a problem overnight. That's not the point, and that's not the expectation with Kata. the The point and the expectation is that they are taking small steps every day um, towards learning as much as we can and figuring out what would work going forward. This is only the Kata process should only take 15 to 20 minutes per day, and you may spend 30 minutes on what we call an experiment each day, but obviously no more than an hour for each of those small steps in most cases. So one problem is people expecting results overnight. Sometimes it happens, but usually it doesn't. This industry is far too complex for that. So that's the first one. The second one I would say is people often bite off more than they can chew. So I'll find leaders that will go well beyond a 15 minute kind of cycle and certainly will go far more than 30 minutes with their experiment. So they'll, they'll spend hours trying to design and run a trial on a process or a communication tool and then find themselves getting overwhelmed because there's still a lot of other work that they have to do as leaders in in their departments as well, and much less if it's frontline staff running those kind of teams. So you've got to give people permission and empower them, A, to fail, B, to take small steps, and C, to be patient with the results that they're expecting to get.
0: And I think one of the things that we talked about a few weeks ago, too, was this idea of failure and, you know, the mindset within healthcare that, well, we're here not to fail because then it puts people's lives in jeopardy. And and so there seems that there's always this balance between empowering people to fail, but then doing it in a way that also doesn't affect quality or, or the patient care.
1: That That is an excellent point. That's an excellent point. So as we design experiments. These aren't experiments that are uh, based specifically on patient outcomes. So obviously, we're not going to change a care protocol um, and just see what happens and try to learn from that going forward. That's not our role. You know, what we may be doing is changing um, the way one department communicates to the other with something in regards to right time or right place. Um, But when it comes to care protocols, we're not practicing medicine with these scientific method practices. It's certainly not the, the time or place for it.
0: Yeah, and, and so it seems like that would also be part of the conversation with those leaders up front, too, to say this is what it's for and that you're not changing some clinical practice just to prototype or test something. You're you're implementing it in a way that people are communicating and and then using that to improve... I guess the overall administrative aspects too, uh, which does flow down to some of the, potentially could flow down to how clinical pieces are, are worked out. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You, you've got to
0: describe what it's for.
1: You're right about that. Uh, and then you do, you have to encourage people um, to fail at these things because as you mentioned just a minute ago, we're not designed that way. We're not trained that way. Uh, this, these are life or death scenarios uh, quite often and, as we interact with our patients. And so our people don't like to fail and they're certainly not used to that. And, and so you've got to give them uh, permission and empower them to stretch themselves a little bit and be willing to make mistakes and learn from those to better design processes and interactions.
0: So if we zoom in a little bit and look at you know, maybe an example of a CADA that, that you have done, could you share something that you have worked on And sort of maybe you know maybe high level view, but depending on how much time we have now, we can kind of to zoom in a little bit on on that that example.
1: So I think the most complex, um, but also the most common kind of project you'll see in our system really revolves around uh, improving efficiency in the emergency department. For the last five years, we have monitored and measured our efficiency in the emergency department. How quickly do patients come into the department, and how quickly do they get out, whether that's they're going home, whether that's they're admitted to the hospital for further treatment. Obviously, when you come to the emergency department, uh, you're, you're interacting with just about every department we have. Lab is involved. Radiology is involved. Numbers of physicians are involved. Transportation in larger facilities. Uh, a number of different players are, are in, involved here. Um, and so there's different strategies on how to attack that. I've done it, I've had teams that have done it multiple ways. Sometimes the ED will be very, um, the team will be made up entirely of ED nurses and leaders. And as other challenges come up, obstacles come up for them to, to work on, they'll reach out to those departments and get them involved. Another approach might be that you have three or four people from different departments, including the ED, lab, radiology, maybe admissions, involved with one one core board, one core COTA board. Currently, we are working on running uh, a little bit of a creative model that would be three boards at one time, where all three departments sit in each other's COTA teams And interact as they're going through their daily coaching cycles and so right now for us that's the emergency room radiology and lab admissions is in the room as well we hope to get them up as a fourth board what that allows us to do is to learn from each other and the different kind of processes that we're working on uh, in each area but also um, to build faster momentum where we see opportunity and need to improve quickly so we know that you know we see upwards Uh, Over 200 patients a day in our emergency room, we have a pretty high admission rate. We know that there are challenges when it comes to moving patients from the emergency room to radiology rooms, just due to our volumes. There's questions about who moves those patients. Is it radiology technicians? Is it, or technologists rather, is it transportation? Is it nursing staff? That's a classic debate in healthcare, I think, sometimes. But, um, so there's lots of things going on, obviously, uh, I think that's a good way in the short term. I think it also is a way to burn out people really fast if you do it too long. And so you've got to be mindful. And that's part of the kind of the kind of work we have to do is watching our teams, ensuring that they feel supported, that we're preventing burnout, but still getting the right um, the right work done. And so there's been a lot of momentum created that way. We know that our um, our blood draw time from From draw to result, have shortened quite a bit. Same with CT to result in the emergency room. Um, And so that work's gone really well. Uh, The emergency room team has also um, tweaked a lot of processes. They're really focused on the triage process right now and how to get patients started as soon as they come in the door. So there's a lot of work going on there. One of the things that I need to mention is that. For each of those boards, a key portion of it is populating an obstacle list, uh, and that's an opportunity to involve people that are on the CADA team, but also people in the department so that they really understand what what's going on. One of the other challenges that would add to our list from your earlier question is when frontline staff see us doing CADA, they see us working on a goal. They don't necessarily understand what it is the first time we're doing it, especially if we haven't done a good job of communicating So it's important to get them involved early on to understand that we're not looking at a goal and the obstacle list where we're lying out barriers to achieving our goal. It's not populated with people's names. It's not Susie is slow. uh, You know, Sam is over here hanging out in the break room all the time. It's not about people. It's about designing the processes. And so the more you can get Frontline staff involved to help us populate our obstacle list of things they run into on a daily basis that our team can try to tackle and remove for them, so that they can be successful. The better off we are in the short term and the long term. So that that would be uh, an example I've seen where I've worked on that in my previous role and my role here now. Um, and is a, a, a classic problem I think that everyone can probably relate to from the hospital world where we're seeing more and more patients in the emergency rooms. Um, and they're certainly sicker and usually have less resources too. So that problem continues to get more complex and needs a lot of focus.
0: Well, I really like the idea where you're creating a diverse group that is meeting and interacting. Because one of the things that you probably have seen as well is this idea of silos within each care, guess, each discipline and having the three. Or going towards four cutter boards and having everyone in in the room at the same time—that so sounds like an amazing opportunity where people get to see what other organ- or other disciplines are challenged with or struggling with, and how does their effort impact what you know what they're trying to work on too? Because everyone's sort of connected, as as you mentioned as well.
1: Right, it's far too easy for us to get siloed and focused on problem solving in our own areas. And so the more that we can create opportunities to learn about other departments and how we interact with each other, the better. And so doing that through Kata allows us to create that muscle, create uh, opportunities for that engagement interaction. And it only helps us to better align and prioritize the things we want to work on and improve that are going to affect the patient first and foremost, and most importantly, but also everybody else on the care team.
0: That is, I think... A great place to to start winding down, and uh, just wanted to end a little bit uh, right now and check in with you to see uh, you know what's next, and you know how can people connect with you if they want to to follow up what you're on what you're doing or working on.
1: Absolutely. Well, I would I would say that um, the best place to learn more about what we're doing at Baptist and in our management system is to hop on our YouTube channel and type in uh, Baptist Management System on YouTube. Um, There's tons of videos there where you can see people uh, doing kata cycles. Um, There's lots of educational materials there about what we're up to, what we're trying to build here for the benefit of our patients and for our care teams, obviously. Feel free to reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Sam Lind. You can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me messages there and I'd be more than happy to connect.
0: Perfect. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And it's always great to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Brian. My pleasure.
0: That concludes our show. Thank you for listening. And more importantly, thank you for being extraordinary.